What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Fitness Experiment Podcast. So today's episode will be a little bit different as Jesse is away right now. He's competing at the International Functional Fitness World Championships in the United Kingdom. So we hope he is doing well. Lacey True Love is doing well, who's also a coach and athlete at Westland CrossFit. And we wish all the best to Team Canada competing over there. So today's episode I mentioned will be a little bit different. So with Jesse away, what I figured I would do is just um, a Q&A. So I had some people send their questions in about any supplement whatsoever that you want to hear me discuss. So I did have a ton of questions. I kind of narrowed these down to what I thought would be the most interesting for people. So just to give you an idea, I'm going to go over some creatine. I'll go over collagen, glucosamine, some stuff for joint health, um, beta alanine, and then maybe a couple others, depending on time. So I'm going to try and keep this one shorter than usual because I'm by myself. This is awkward. I can only talk to myself for so long. So just to get started, before I get into the creatine, so I've always been super fascinated with supplements for whatever reason. This was even before I got into the science field. I always loved experimenting with these off the field in the gym just to see, you know, like, could these things really improve the way I feel in the gym? Could they really improve how I felt on the ice? So my passion and interest in human performance began very early and it really was kind of supplements that kind of um, triggered this interest in these supplements. So I think I have a unique perspective on these because I went through all the bro science back in the day. You know, I, I got a lot of my early information on supplements from platforms like bodybuilding.com, um, testosterone nation, which believe it or not is actually a real name for a popular website. So I had all these experiences with these different supplements based on these bro science websites, if you will. And then now I've transitioned, of course, more into um, peer reviewed scientific literature. So I think I have I have a perspective kind of from both sides on all of these supplements. And so I can give you a, a pretty good description of really essentially which supplements actually work and which are complete marketing bullshit, because that's a huge problem with supplements these days. You kind of get you get one maybe mice or rat study that shows that this one supplement, you know, increase their time to exhaustion or increase aerobic performance or whatever. And then testosterone Joe sees this and just throws it into their supplement and then market it, markets it as, you know, whatever, the next big product to boost your performance. Now, just one more thing before we get into it. I think people often forget that these are supplements. They're intended to be supplemental to your diet. So nutrition should always form the foundation. It shouldn't be supplements, then nutrition. I think a lot of people fall into this trap 
for whatever reason. I think it's, I don't know what it is, but we enjoy, we're kind of drawn towards taking these different substances, popping pills, taking powders, and kind of thinking that they're going to do miraculous things. I don't know why that is for whatever reason. I think that's why drugs, pharmacological drugs have become so big. Um, but again, remember, these are just supplements. Truth be told, there's absolutely no essential supplement, period. I think there's a couple that, sure, probably everyone should take. But, I mean, if you eat, if your nutrition is on point, then honestly, there could never, ever be a need for any of these supplements. So, without further ado, let's jump into this. So, let's start out with creatine. Just need a sip of my peppermint tea here first. It's good stuff. All right, so one of the questions was, um, is creatine healthy or is creatine safe for men above the age of 55? So before I even get into that, let's just kind of talk about a few of the basics of creatine first. So many of us are, I think, aware of creatine, but what creatine does is it essentially increases available ATP within muscle cells. So that's its primary mechanism. Um, it provides phosphocreatine. So we create some of our own endogenous creatine, but we can also supplement with this um, in an attempt to provide additional creatine stores. And so again, what this is predicted to do, or the goal of this is to increase our ability to generate ATP for muscles. So more ATP means more energy to fuel um, whatever it may be, athletic performance, muscular contractions, and so on and so on. So now, interestingly, it's not only muscle cells that use ATP for energy, it's really every single cell throughout our body. Um, particularly interesting for me is brain cells. So neurons in our brain they also use ATP to generate energy. So I'll get to the kind of brain effects in a moment, but the first point is, um, so what's the suggested effect of creatine? So I guess, does it, does it even work? Does creatine improve athletic performance like it says it does? Well, yes, absolutely. So creatine is certainly the most well-researched sports supplement and it's the most well-supported to improve athletic performance. So to give you an example, there was um, a meta-analysis published in the Journal of Sports Medicine. So what a meta-analysis is, is it assesses um, many, many, like say for instance, 50 previous studies that were completed on creatine. So these other 50 studies asked, does creatine improve athletic performance? Um, so does it improve, you know, muscle strength, power, that type of thing. So this meta-analysis essentially throws all of these studies together and then it runs a statistic and says, okay, um, are all the, are all the findings that creatine is beneficial for athletic performance? So in all of these studies, is that actually statistically significant? So does 
creatine consistently improve performance across all these studies, or is it just kind of like one random study that shows an effect? And they found that, yes, across over 60 different studies, creatine effectively improved particularly strength. So it improved strength in bouts of exercise that last under three minutes. Um, so this under three minutes, it's not too surprising because um, in those early stages of exercise performance, our one of our initial energy systems that we um, rely upon is our um, phosphocreatine system. So that's super interesting. In the first three minutes of exercise, creatine appears to increase strength. So <clears throat> let's return to, I guess, the safety question now. So <clears throat> is it safe for men above 55? So absolutely, yes. So in terms of health and safety, again, there's absolutely no research suggesting that creatine has any negative side effects on health. So I know this is, this is kind of, um, a popular myth is that creatine, many people say that creatine is bad for the kidneys, um, but no research to support this. The early argument was that because creatine increases creatinine metabolite from the kidneys, um, people thought that that was a marker of kidney damage. But in fact, it's now being shown that this creatinine, when looked at on its own, cannot identify kidney damage. And in fact, you must um, look at several other markers alongside this and they have done this and they have found that creatine does not damage the kidneys. And so it is believed to be 100% healthy. Now, men over 55, yep, same thing, completely safe. And in fact, my opinion based on the research, as we age, Creatine is a supplement that everyone should take. I think your grandma over the age of 80 should be taking uh, creatine. The major reason is because it helps to preserve muscle mass. This is much harder to do as we age. So elderly individuals in particular um, can have something called sarcopenia. So this is the progressive degeneration of muscle tissue. Now, just in practical terms, when we consider elderly people, having as much muscle mass as possible is extremely desirable for overall health and longevity. Just think in terms of, you know, having that, um, having that muscle, having that muscular ability to stay mobile, climb up and down stairs, go for walks, maybe even go for runs, do a little bit of light exercise, whatever it may be. All of these things are essential to, of course, keep your brain healthy. We know the positive benefits of exercise on the brain. We know the benefits of exercise on markers of um, cardiovascular health. Essentially, every chronic illness in the book is improved by exercise. So very important for elderly people to remain active. You need muscles to do that. Losing muscles, you're going to become inactive, and then it's kind of... Um, a slow, steady decline in health. And this is why falls among elderly are one of the most devastating 
um, events. They fall, maybe break a hip or something, and then they become immobile and it kind of goes downhill from there. So men above 55, absolutely. I think around 55, your ability to build and repair muscle is already declining. And so if you can get a boost in that from a healthy supplement, then why not? Um, and in fact, there has been some studies done in older men. So one study that comes to mind, there was one published in medicine and science and sports and exercise. They found that among 357 individuals over the age of 57, that creatine increased muscle gain, excuse me, muscle gain, strength, and overall functional performance. So this group taking creatine had a boost to all of these variables in comparison to another group of 57-year-olds who did not take creatine. So again, the research suggests this is a very reliable supplement. Now, lastly, if we look at the brain, creatine also super interesting when it comes to brain health, because I mentioned neurons in the brain, they're the exact same. They need ATP to function. And if we look at neurodegenerative disease, a lot of brain illnesses, um, things like Alzheimer's disease, dementia, um, post-concussion, all of these are characterized by, or at least are contributed to by um, what we would call an energy crisis. So essentially there's a reduction in available ATP for the brain. And that is what contributes to a lot of these symptoms that we see. So in Alzheimer's disease, the brain is essentially starving. It can't get energy. So this is where some of those memory impairments come in. Post-concussion, um, that prolonged, those prolonged post-concussion symptoms. Again, brain doesn't have enough ATP. It's starving for energy. There's not enough fuel to clean up all that cellular debris that was initiated by the traumatic event in the first place. And in fact, there was one study where researchers gave creatine to youth. I believe they were around the age of 12 to 14. I'd have to check that though. So what they did was these kids um, experienced a traumatic brain injury and they gave these kids creatine for an extended period of time um, post-concussion. So for a few months, they gave them creatine. What they found was that this group receiving creatine had a reduction in the symptomology of, from the concussion. So they had, they experienced less headaches, less confusion, um, less memory impairment, and just overall had improvements to cognitive function compared to a control group who did not receive creatine. So this to me is super interesting, but it all comes back to that ATP. So our brain cells also need ATP. They also need energy. Creatine um, appears to increase available ATP for these cells. Um, another interesting study when it comes to brain function, individuals who are sleep deprived um, report feeling more alert, having more mental energy when they're given creatine. 
compared to individuals who are sleep deprived and do not receive the creatine. Again, <clears throat> more energy, more ATP. Um, it's worth noting that there has been a few clinical trials looking at creatine for um, particularly Alzheimer's disease. Um, so not a lot of clinical data in terms of creatine given to humans. Um, those where this has been experimented with, the results are not promising, so they haven't found an effect yet. Um, so my theory on this though, is that creatine in itself is just not, it's not powerful enough to actually produce an effect in these patients. I think if they were looking at creatine as kind of just another building block, um, kind of just another step part of that, um, kind of, um, holistic health program, we'll call it. So the combination of creatine, the combination with um, healthy diet, exercise, that type of thing. I think when all these things are combined, it could have a powerful effect, but just on its own, I don't think it's powerful enough. Mind you, they're all implementing this creatine at different stages of the disease. And so it's just too early to say whether or not it could improve this. Um, but again, looks promising for concussion, very, very promising for athletic performance. And so kind of to circle back, men over the age of 55, sure, absolutely. I think it could be a very beneficial supplement, not only for athletic performance, but also for um, the brain health side of things. So why not, why not give the brain some extra energy maybe resist that cognitive decline, which also hopefully is not starting at 55, but, you know, maybe 20, 30 years down the road. I think this is a good neuroprotective option. All right. So that was a kind of long and rambling response, but creatine has a lot of research. So I always feel bad. I always feel bad leaving stuff out. I feel like I need to touch on everything. I don't have Jesse here to tell me to stop and shut the hell up. So that could be a problem. Let's try and keep this under 30 minutes. So another question, what are some good supplements for joint pain slash joint health? Alrighty. So a couple that come to mind immediately, definitely collagen and glucosamine. So collagen, I swear by collagen. Um, I don't, I'm not as familiar with the mechanisms of collagen as these other supplements. Um, I can tell you that it stimulates biosynthesis in cartilage. Um, and it's also supposed to decrease degeneration in connective tissue. So strengthening joints. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that collagen can improve gut health. So in cases of irritable bowel syndrome, it's collagen that is degraded in the gut, which leads to some of this inflammation, some of these problems. And of course we all know collagen is awesome for skin, hair, nails, all this type of stuff as well. So back to collagen for athletic performance, joint health. I swear by this stuff. 
so I started taking collagen, um, I'd say a little over a year ago. Whenever I run out and I go one, maybe two weeks without that, I start to feel some knee pain creep back. So this knee pain is just from, it's from doing a lot of lifting under heavy loads. So heavy squats, heavy cleans, heavy snatches, just constant flexion of the knees and joints. When I run out of collagen, I do feel some of this achiness in the knees in particular start to come back. And then when I jump back on the collagen, it's completely gone. I never, ever feel it. So this stuff is super cheap. Um, you can get a bag on Amazon for say it's about 30 bucks and that usually lasts like a good, I think two months. Um, and I'm, I'm using this stuff pretty liberally. I think you could make it last a bit longer. I usually like to take some before workout after workout. Um, I think this stuff works awesome. I think it's definitely worth trying it out. Another one, glucosamine, um, pretty common supplement. I think it's been around for a long time, super basic. I mean, it's in every grocery store, pharmacy, um, Costco. This is one of those ones where to my knowledge, it's not difficult to find a good glucosamine supplement. I think it's pretty uniform across the board. So even your Costco supplement of glucosamine is completely fine. Same thing, super cheap, lasts you even longer. It's a lot cheaper than collagen. I can't even tell you how much it is because it's been so long since I had to buy um, another bottle. But so glucosamine is a natural compound found in cartilage. So same thing, healthy for those joints, joint function, especially if you're under lots of heavy load on a consistent basis. Glucosamine, um, same thing. I've experienced a lot of positive benefits from this stuff. Just minor aches and pains in the elbows, knees, and whatever. They really do decrease or completely go away once you jump on the gl glucosamine. Now, keep in mind with this stuff, don't expect miracles right away. It does take a little while to take effect. Um, you'll probably have to consistent, um, pardon me, you'll probably have to kind of reliably supplement with it for, I'd say roughly around two months before you really start to notice the benefits of it. So stick to the label, take what it says. You have to take it two or three times throughout the day. Do that for an extended period of time and you will benefit from it. This is good stuff. Now, we can't have a discussion about joint health without my favorite, one of my favorites, curcumin. So this is the active ingredient in turmeric. Curcumin, very powerful anti-inflammatory. That's why it is beneficial for joint pain. I think this is another awesome, it's just a natural health ingredient, awesome option that you can add to your arsenal. Remember, if you are taking curcumin, bioavailability is an issue with this stuff. So for one, if you're buying it in bulk powder, make sure it's curcumin extract. If it doesn't have that curcumin extract, if it's just turmeric, um, it's kind of 
pointless unless you're just having it for the taste, which is totally fine. But if you're looking to get those those benefits to joint health, if you're looking to get those anti-inflammatory effects, got to be the curcumin extract. And you have to combine it with black pepper if it's not already um, in the supplement. So I just like to put a couple teaspoons of curcumin in some warm water. That helps it dissolve. It's also going to help with the absorption once you do drink it. And I like to give, you know, 10 to 20 cranks of the black pepper into that warm water. And I just slug it back. It tastes like shit, but I like to just use the Gitter India tactic. You can you can try your best to put it into a smoothie, but this stuff is pretty hard to mask. It honestly tastes like shit. Turns your lips orange, sometimes hangs around in your mustache and beard for a little while. Sometimes I go to the mirror a couple hours later and see I still got some orange around the lips and stuff there. So careful of this if you have some before you go out in public. But another awesome option, especially for people who are very physically active, especially for those, even those high level, particularly the high level CrossFit athletes that are under a ton of volume. I think this is a must. And this is, that's kind of a separate conversation, but it's a way to really control um, the huge amounts of inflammation that these high volume athletes accumulate. All right, so I think I'll just cover one more. So we have one more left. Beta alanine. This is a very popular supplement, usually found in the majority of pre-workout supplements. So if you've ever taken a pre-workout and felt that jitteriness, kind of that tingling sensation, you feel the tingling, especially in your face, down your arms, your hands, everywhere. That's the beta alanine. So, <clears throat> um, in case you're wondering, this tingling sensation is from the beta alanine acting on your dorsal root ganglia. So nerves essentially coming off of your spinal cord. Um, this is what gives you that sensation of that tingly feeling. I actually read somewhere that I think there's, I believe it was Koreans. Interestingly, don't actually feel this tingling sensation, just some sort of genetic difference where they're kind of immune to this. But everyone else, unless you're Korean, you get that tingly feeling. That's the beta alanine. So what this stuff does this is another very well-supported sports supplement. Um, lots of scientific literature. The majority of it showing that it is beneficial for athletic performance. And no negative side effects have been found. So what beta-alanine does is um, increases intracellular carnosine. So it increases carnosine within muscle cells. Carnosine is... Um, an acid buffer. So when you're exercising at a very high intensity, you are accumulating, you're accumulating um, acidity within your muscle cells. This is what promotes some of that burning sensation, that fatigue sensation in your muscles. And then obviously this is what forces you to slow down or stop um, or, you know, just back off on that exercise. It prevents you from pushing harder and harder. Um, 
So that burning sensation, not from lactic acid, as many people believe, it's from an accumulation of hydrogen ions. So carnosine, which beta alanine promotes, is able to act as a buffer for this. So there was a study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. They looked at exercise lasting one to four minutes, one to four minutes, because this is, this is a range where we're probably going to feel that burning sensation. That burning sensation is going to limit our exercise performance during this period of time, because it's going to be at a very high intensity. They found that supplementing with beta alanine um, prolonged the time to exhaustion. So these athletes were able to push harder at a high intensity during that short training time period and compared to individuals not receiving beta alanine. Now, one thing when it comes to beta alanine, so this is a reason why I do not, in general, 99% of the time do not support pre-workouts. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, so pre-workouts, one of the major reasons I don't support them is because the ingredients in them are very dusted usually. So they just kind of sprinkle a little bit of each ingredient in there just so they can throw it up on the label just so that they can say it's in there and then they can add that little claim to the label. They can add that claim for beta alanine that it prolongs the time to exhaustion. It increases performance during short interval high intensity. But the research that shows the beneficial effects of beta alanine, they use, in fact, they prove that to get this beneficial effect, you must A, supplement a total of at least 3.2 grams of beta alanine and B, must be supplemented in two to three doses throughout the day. So a lot of studies have just tried the 3.2 grams once and found no effect. Other studies have looked at beta alanine, 3.2 grams split up into three doses throughout the day. They found that positive effect. So unless you're taking your pre-workout powder three times throughout the day, which I hope you're not doing, you're probably not getting the benefits of the beta alanine. But most of these supplements just throw it in there because it still produces that tingling sensation. So people feel that tingling feeling. They go, ooh, pre-workout's kicking in. I feel good. It's just kind of a little bit of a placebo kick in, which is fine if that's what you're going for. But keep in mind, you're probably not actually benefiting from that beta alanine by taking that pre-workout powder. This isn't the only reason why I don't like pre-workouts, but this is just one major thing. Most people are not aware of this. So beta alanine, pretty interesting when it comes to athletic performance. So I think it's worth mentioning that some studies have found um, a synergism effect with sodium bicarbonate. Sodium bicarbonate is just simple baking soda, which by the way, has a ton of positive research supporting it improves athletic performance, just regular standard run-of-the-mill baking soda. 
It has a very similar mechanism to beta alanine. It acts as an acid buffer. So this, um, actually a couple of studies in particular, found that combining these two produced even more of a beneficial effect than beta alanine on its own. Now, before you go off taking a bunch of beta alanine with a bunch of baking soda, ye be warned, I've experimented with sodium bicarbonate and let's just say that um, sometimes it can produce a lot of trips to the toilet and not the pleasant ones, kind of the ones where you spray the back of the toilet a little bit. Not very pleasant. Sorry to give you that image. So yeah, still trying to figure out a way to actually um, keep that baking soda down, keep the sodium bicarbonate in your belly and not irritate the gut. I need to dig into a few of these studies and find out what they actually gave these athletes because they found the effect. So the athletes mustn't have had this GI disturbance in that study. So I'm wondering... Um, how they did that. So again, I have to look into this because if you take a ton of baking soda, she not good. But if you ever wake up in the morning and you're feeling a little constipated and feel like you need a bowel movement, hey, baking soda. All right. So I think that's all the ones I'll cover for today. If you guys like this, if you like the Q&A format, please let us know. Let Jesse or I know. Um, keep sending in your requests for future podcasts. As we say, we love putting these on for you guys. We love hearing from you guys, figuring out what you're interested in. All of our episodes up to date, um, and actually the ones we're planning on doing in the coming weeks, all have been from listener suggestions. So please send us those. Again, as always, you can find... Jesse on Instagram at Sheriff's Performance Academy. You can find me on Instagram at brainignition underscore chet. All of our contact information included in um, episode description, podcast description. Hit us up, any of those platforms. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this little Q&A. Have a great week.